In case you were wondering about that song and, and, and where God is going to be, we ask our guardian and stay on board ships, especially sailing ships. Uh, you got a lot of rigging, and uh, what keeps the main mast in place as well as the other masts are stays, wires. They go out to various gunnel parts on a ship to hold it steady. Uh, just thought I'd put that out there on this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, one and all. On this Father's Day weekend, let us look at the issues before us today, that is, uh, let us look at what it means to be a father. But first, did you know that Father's Day was uh, first housed in a Methodist church? Back in December of 1907, a disastrous explosion occurred in a coal mine down in a place called Monongua, West Virginia. It claimed the lives of more than 367 men. Most of them had families. This tragedy left over 1,000 children fatherless. A Mrs. Grace Golden Clayton the youngest of 11 children born to her Methodist preacher father and herself a widow of a Methodist pastor was distraught by the thought that all those children had no father. They would be growing up without a father's guidance. And she wanted to do something to honor fatherhood the importance of fatherhood. She asked her pastor to set aside a special day to commemorate fathers. Thus, there was a Father's Day sermon preached on July 5, 1908 at the Williams Memorial Methodist Episcopal Church in Fairmont, West Virginia. Then in Spokane, Washington, about 2,000 miles away, about two years later, well, actually right on two years later, there was another Father's Day service. It's not really surprising that uh, they didn't know one another, that they weren't related to one another. They were totally separate incidents, mostly because they had no fox or CNN news, and they didn't have any cell phones in those days to conveniently pass around news and gossip. Anyhow, a lady by the name of Sonora Dodd had listened to a Mother's Day sermon uh, at the Central Methodist Episcopal Church uh, where she was living. Sonora's own mother had died 11 years earlier, and her father had raised all his children alone. Sonora Dodd 
felt moved to honor her father and fathers everywhere with a special day as well. She proposed her idea to local religious leaders and gained wide acceptance. And then on June 19, 1910, the first Father's Day in Spokane occurred, honoring fathers, and it was presented throughout the city of Spokane by several different pastors and several different churches. A lot of newspapers carried that across the country. Anyhow, the popularity of Father's Day spread. Several presidents declared it a holiday, and then in 1972, Richard Nixon established it as the third Sunday in June. And I think it nigh on to impossible to overestimate the essence or the important intrinsic value of fatherhood. Fathers influence both their daughters and their sons. For example, daughters who have a good relationship with their father actually do better in math. And boys who have actively involved fathers get better grades. They perform better on achievement tests, and well-bonded boys develop securely with a stable and sustained sense of self. Who children are and who they will become is in great part central to the father. Even though things have changed, even though there are more mothers, more women in the workplace, even though there's been a bit of a change in the roles of fathers and mothers in the lives of children. A recent study of the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development shows that children who are well bonded and loved by involved fathers have less behavioral problems and are better able to overcome today's world which presents to it a lot of quagmires. Throughout a youth, young adulthood, and adulthood, there are problems assailing us again and again and again. Sons who have been raised by loving, caring, involved fathers do better when facing those Actually, actually, that goes throughout their lives. Throughout their lives. Even when they get old, older than me even. How well your father treated you, it's, it's, it's remarkable and measurable. I grant to you that not everyone has experienced having a loving, caring, actively involved father. 
for one reason or another, there's been things like mine explosions and war and alcohol and drugs and accidents and the working place. The working place is one of the largest detriments to being a good father. The list goes on. There are an estimated 70.1 million fathers in the United States alone. Of that number, there are two common denominators, I think. Two common denominators. One is, none of them is perfect. The other is, they can all be a child of the one perfect father. And now that I think of it, those, those common denominators sort of look kind of universal, do they not? In his letter to the Romans, Paul seemed to focus on the sinfulness of every human being. No one is righteous, no, not one. However, Paul did not deny that human beings, even fathers, perform some actions that conform to external goodness. But these good actions, in and of themselves, are rather meaningless in relation to eternity. In chapter 11, verse 11 of Luke, Luke asks, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Well, I imagine that there are some sickos out there who would do that. Maybe because they'd heard that it tastes just like chicken. But I digress. Often, fathers' messages Father's Day messages seem to proclaim our shortcomings and list the hurdles that we have to overcome in order to become loving, involved fathers. Lest we despair, however, remember what Paul wrote in Romans 4-7. Blessed, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Thus, in Christianity, God is not called Father by comparison to mankind. Rather, fatherhood among men is called such by comparison to God. Now, how can that be? Well, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about you and I being of greater value than the other creatures, creatures of the Father's creation. God not only made us in his image, but he also gave us dominion over the whole shebang. After all, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor do they reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Here Jesus points out that God the Father is our Father too. Jesus also points out our worthiness. Let me recap Romans 4-7. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Romans 3.24, Paul talks about us being justified by his grace as a gift. A gift for those who put their faith in Christ. Their former sins are gone. You know that there are people, some even who are fathers, who because of some sin or other, think they are unworthy of any of the grace or the blessing that the Father has bestowed on us, on us all. They thank this so much so they even vegetate and think, why try? These folks need to be mindful of Jesus' comment in Matthew 18, 12 through 14, when he said, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety and nine and go out after the one that has wandered off and bring him back? And if he finds it, I tell you, the truth. He is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety and nine who never wandered off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. And he's not talking about a select few. He's talking about all of us. Notice, too, that this is at least the second time this morning that you have heard the words, your father. There are several places in the New Testament where Jesus refers to the Father, God Almighty, as your father and our father. Simply put, this means that we are all God's children. As such, none of us is worthless. Let me say that again. We are all God's children, and as such, none of us are worthless. Were that not so, he would not have put up with our seeming relentless and dedicated efforts to see how many of his Ten Commandments we can break in ever-increasing and innovative ways. Were that not so, he would not have sent Jesus to, to do what he did for me and the rest of us. Look around you at these windows. Look above them. 
really cool visual depictions of God's will. His, divide, his desire for divine, our divine humanity. The guidance he provided for his children to live by. As recorded in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 14, the Ten Commandments. And God said these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make for yourself no image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand, to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless for the misusing of his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and on do all your work, and then on the seventh day, the Sabbath, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, or your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing inside your town. For six days the Lord made the heaven and the, and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house nor your neighbor's wife, nor covet the male or female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. In Proverbs 23, we read, The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. And in Proverbs 3.11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resist his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves as a father, the son he delights in. There are many challenges to fatherhood. However, no matter how bad or how good anyone is at being a dad, no matter how the secular world measures you, or how you measure yourself, remember that. 
your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. You and I, all of us, are his little ones. And our children are his little ones too. So then, as fathers, how do we show the Heavenly Father that we love him? The word love in English is a indirect translation from the old Aramaic Hebrew. Simple folks like me, we know that we love our wives and, and our children and our parents and our pets, even our country. But how do we love God? whom we don't see, whom we can't see. How do we love an enemy or an unruly and flagrant neighbor? How do we be the best father we can be? The bottom line, that might be a little difficult to hear from me because of who I am and what I am. The bottom line is simply to accept Jesus Christ at his word. No one is good except the Father. Again, let me recap Romans 4, 7. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are are covered. Jesus said we are to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. If then we try to live by God's Ten Commandments and practice them in any and all of life's situations, we will come naturally closer to God the Father. Because doing His will becomes only easier and more natural, which will naturally make us better fathers. While fatherhood is normally attributed to a biological relationship, the essence and intrinsic nature our fatherhood can and does extend to all men. If you wish to be a better father than you are, which is admirable, if you want to become closer to God than you are, If you think there might possibly be some measure by which you could improve yourself, then join me as I ask for help. Follow in your mind, realizing there is no right or wrong way of talking to God, for God is not concerned about the words that you choose. He cares about the state of your heart, the state of my heart, 
he hears you, he hears me. The words aren't that important. Dear God, I want to know you and your son Jesus better. I know that I am a sinner and that nothing I can do can make up for that. Thank you for letting your son pay the price for my sin. I know that my sin doesn't separate me from you anymore. Thank you for forgiving me. I know that you love me and that I will spend eternity with you in Jesus. For I accept Jesus as my Savior and ask him to take control and help make me the person our Father wants me to be. Amen.